So today we are going to talking going to be talking about true citizenship and we're continuing our series in Philippians chapter 3. We're going to be in chapter 3 finishing it off from verse 17 to chapter 4 verse 1. So Philippians chapter 3:17 to chapter 4 verse 1. And we've kind of been in a mini-series in chapter 3 as Paul has this really incredible, meaty thought that we've been able to get through uh, the last two weeks. And the, the first week was true righteousness. The second week was true perfection. This week is true citizenship. Um, and so if you do have your Bibles, I don't know if, if there are um, any verses that we're posting anybody, but anywhere. But if you do, you can read along with me or you can just listen. Uh, as we're going to be in again, Philippians chapter 3, verse 17 to chapter 4, verse 1. Paul says this, Brothers or brothers and sisters, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame, with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself." Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. So last week, we talked about this idea of perfection. Paul talks about uh, him not being perfect, and perfection is not something that we will ever attain on the earth, but it is something that we strive for and something that we aim for. Why? Because Jesus and his infinite love, wisdom has captured our heart before we loved him, before we were saved, before we were good, while we were still in our mud and our dirt, he came and captured us. And because of that, we strive to be like him in everything that we do. And so he says to think maturely, to think like a mature Christian was to think like him. Yeah, I will never be perfect, but every day I will strive towards Christ to know him, the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Christ has captured my heart and I will run the race to capture the prize with diligence. To know him is all that I long for. And so to that end, Paul says, yes, I am not perfect. Yes, I strive for this every day. My heart longs to know Jesus. So because of that, I encourage you to imitate me, Paul says. Imitate him. To do what he does. And the, the first thing that I want to say is this imitation is not a look at me and be just like me. But it is Paul calling them to look where he is looking. Paul is constantly talking about his gaze being on Jesus, the race that he is running being towards Jesus, where he's going. It is all about Jesus and all about where Jesus is calling him. And so he is saying, imitate him in, in the same way that I, if I'm going, if I'm at a ball game and I'm taking my son to the ball game with me and my son is playing around and doing this and doing that, but we're at the ball game. And so I would say, do what I'm doing. What am I doing? I am watching the players. I have my gaze fixed 
on what is going on. So Paul is saying, don't look at me, look at Jesus. Look where I am looking. Imitate my action and my gaze and my thought process because all of it is centered around Jesus. If you want to think maturely as a Christian, then do what Paul is calling you to do. This is what Paul is telling the Philippians church. He is inviting Philippian, uh, the, the Philippian church into radical dependence and humility in Jesus, radical dependence and humility in Jesus, where he's saying, look, I, I and we're going to get into this more as we get into chapter four and hit some of my very favorite verses in the entire Bible is that no matter what is going on, no matter what circumstance, no matter what my world is looking like, if you remember in Philippians one, Paul is in jail and he is joyful because the gospel is being preached and the people are encouraged to preach even more that he's saying, no matter what, that my dependence, my trust, my humility, all of these things are found in Jesus. And that's what the mature will look like and will do. See, much of the growth of the, the Christian walk will happen by finding people who are mature in Christ. Godly people and imitating their walk. Because what happens when you imitate a walk of someone who's truly godly, who glorifies God in all things, you will learn not to glorify that person, but to glorify God. Because as Jesus said, all he does is to glorify the Father. And so when you find someone mature to imitate and walk with, what happens is you don't glorify them. You don't put them on a pedestal. What you begin to do is you begin to glorify Jesus in all that you are and all that you do. And you look to Jesus for everything because what you are being taught is not look at me. What you are being taught and what you are being modeled is look at Jesus for everything that you have and everything that you are. The Christian walk is not meant to be done on your own by yourself. What happens when you read scripture and you have a, and you don't have a mature person to explain it to you. You come out with crazy theology. If you wonder why there are uh, a million different denominations and sects and and all these and uh, the these spinoffs of different religions, uh, it is when somebody took scripture, they read it, they didn't have somebody mature to walk them through how to read scripture, take it into context, understand biblical theology, and they would find a verse and they would say, well, that verse is, it means this, and it's more important than all these other verses. And so I'm going to create a religion or a whole different sect of people that is going to follow this one thing. And that's what we're going to do. Uh, and and I see this happen over and over and over again. I, I think one of the funniest jokes right now is all the experts that we have in pandemics, right? Uh, all the experts that we have all of a sudden in infectious diseases. It's because people have watched a YouTube video and they've read uh, half of a blog post and they now all of a sudden know everything. They, they know more than a doctor who has been studying this for 40 years and they disagree with him. And, you know, it's like, well, according to, you know, this magazine or this blog post that I only read 10% of or read the title and looked at the pictures, that's not right. Uh, and this is what Bible experts look like nowadays. I, I can't tell you. I've, I've sat with people, literally, I remember I was having this conversation with this one dude and uh, I asked, he told me he was a Christian and I asked him, when did he come to follow Jesus? And he told me two years ago and I said, wow, uh, what church have you been going to? And he told me, oh, I don't go to church. I just watch YouTube videos and read the Bible on my own. 
And I was just like, wait, what? You know, like, how, how is that possible? Uh, and, you know, it, he lasted in our church about three weeks um, because uh, the expert that he had become on YouTube and reading scripture on his own, he disagreed with about 50% of the things that we did as a church. This is what happens when you don't, when you, when you take Christianity, when you take the Bible and you isolate it among yourself and you, and, and you live in a bubble with only your own, you, you don't have other people that have walked the walk, that have had decades of experience of living out what it means to live like a Christian, to live like a Christ follower, to read the scriptures in context, understand it, to be able to hold the different tensions of what scriptures say and still walk in faith in God. When you don't do that, what happens is you isolate yourself and you become a pandemic expert in a week because you've watched a couple of videos and read a couple of blog posts. And this is what Paul is cautioning them against and calling them out on and saying, imitate me, imitate the, the, the other brothers and sisters who are mature, who think this way. Because in your life, you cannot walk the walk of Christianity alone. And if you think that you can read the scripture and grow and walk in maturity and do that all in this isolated bubble, then you're wrong. Uh, and, and this is what Paul is saying here, that in order for your eyes to truly be trained on Jesus, in order for you to, for the scriptures to be opened up, for it to point to Jesus, what it will take is it will take someone mature coming alongside you, walking alongside you, and showing you the way to constantly look at Jesus. We will miss our blind spots. We will get caught up in weird theology. We will, get, uh, we will go down rabbit trails that make no sense. And these are all the different pitfalls of when we say, no, I can do this alone. And, and what that I can do this alone is, is it's this individualistic culture that has infiltrated the West and therefore has infiltrated the church that says, I don't need anybody. My walk is between me and Jesus alone. And, and that is it. Yet God has given us the church. I think one of the beauties of scripture that, that people forget is these letters weren't written to individual people. These letters, the letter of Philippians was written to an entire church and they would have literally not had access to this, this scripture, if they were not part of a local body, if they didn't have people to read it together for hundreds of years, a church would have scripture. They would have usually one Bible where they would read it together out loud on Sundays, or it would be one Bible that they could be shared among the church members because this was their access to, to scripture. This was their access to God together. They would communally understand scripture, Jesus, and walk in maturity together. You know, I think, uh, I think of when I was young and um, I wanted to play the drums. And so i I did naturally what most people do when they want to do something. They, I started doing it myself, right? I started, I got some sticks. I started banging some things around uh, and I thought I was getting better at the drums. And then I went to uh, a teacher and the teacher said, no, you're holding your sticks wrong. You're banging the pads wrong. Uh, your, 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 your beat and, and temperament and all these things, that's, that's all off. And, you know, the first thing I couldn't get over, like, what do you mean? There's a way to hold the drumstick, you know, <laughs> like, and, and that fundamental, that simple thing of just holding the drumstick and even hitting. He, one of the things he showed me was like, you're, you're banging 
the the drum. You're not supposed. It's not about how hard you can hit it. I'll never forget this. He told me it's about how quickly you can come up to do the rest of everything else. And in my mind, it was about how loud can I make this noise. Um, and so we, in all things of life, how God has set it up is that we need mature people to walk alongside us and go through this. That this is not supposed to be an individualistic culture, a thing that we walk and do. And so I would say what we need to do is we need to be weary of leaders, of pastors and others whose invitation is consuming more of them and not more of Christ. I think constantly what we have in today's culture is we want to build platforms, right? We want to build followers. We want to build uh, influence places. And when we and, and this is what the, the world has told us. If, if you are successful, you have a lot of followers. When, when you can swipe up uh, on your Insta story or when you can get blue check verified, that is success. That is when you've made it. So get a lot of followers, get a lot of people, get a lot of influence, build a platform. This is success. This is bearing fruit. And to do that many times what we have done is we have pointed people to ourselves. And in the church, I see this constantly, it's, it's not consume more of Jesus when we are calling people to imitate us, it's consume more of me. And if you are in a relationship with somebody and the dependence is growing on that person and your dependence is not growing on Jesus, then you have to realize there is something going wrong in that relationship. Because when you grow in true maturity, your dependence doesn't grow on that person. It grows on Jesus. That person helps you walk there and get there. But your dependence should always be increasing on Jesus, not on people. Be wary of friends who will conform you more to the way of the world than to the way of Jesus. We have friends in our life, right? I, I think there, there is a tension with our friendships, where God has called us to witness to people and we need to keep friends, but God has also called us not to be of the world. And what I've realized in my life is that there are friendships in my life, that there are people that I can witness to and that I can be a good example to and share the love of Christ. And then there are friends that they witness to me. They evangelize to me. They call me to be more like them. And every time I get around them, it's a struggle. It's a, it's a tension for me to pull and to be like them. And so we need to be wary of who we are imitating. Because Paul says you, we, you can imitate him, but then there is imitation of the world that will happen. And when you imitate the world, what will happen is you will not be led to Christ, but you will instead be led to your destruction. You will be led to your destruction. So we have to be wary. Who are we imitating? Because there are two paths before us. There is one path that will lead us to Jesus. It will lead us to the prize that Paul has told us to try to obtain and to try to grasp. Or there is the path that will lead us to destruction, to Sheol, if you have read the, the Old Testament that will lead our soul to being lost. And so we have to be weary. Who are we consuming? Who are we around? Who are we with? What are the friends, the leaders, the pastors, the YouTube videos? What are we watching? The media, the channels, what are we imitating? Is the fear that we're feeling, is it coming from God? Or is it coming from the world around us? Is the anxiety that we're feeling, is it because we are consuming anxious thoughts from friends and TV and media and all these different things? Or, and, and so because we are consuming the anxiety of others, we are imitating that and now we are living in fear and anxiety? 
Or are we imitating people who point us to Christ, who brings joy, peace, patience, love, kindness? Paul says that he was in tears thinking about those who were enemies of the cross of Christ. Right? They were people that we have read throughout Philippians, either the Judaizers or people that were speaking for their own fame that were enemies of the cross of Christ. That they were coming in with their own agenda, with their own way of doing things, with their worldly understanding. And they were trying to pull away the Philippian flock. And Paul was in tears thinking about them, about what they were doing. The intensity of what Paul is trying to communicate to the Philippian church is real. And what is constantly God is calling us to is real. This is not something to be flippant about. See, what happens is a lot of times we shrug and we think maybe Paul is, is thinking more on the lines of, hey guys, watch out. You know, I'm just throwing this in there. But it's not. It's not a, hey guys, watch out. You know, just wanted to let you know. This is an intense sadness that Paul is experiencing to warn the church of what is going on. He knows you will imitate somebody. Will it be me and other good examples? Or will it be those who lead you to your destruction? This is why Paul is in tears because he's thinking about the people. He's thinking about what will happen and it is, it is life or death. It is eternity with Jesus or eternity without him that is at stake here. The people, the things that we imitate, that we take on as our own. Paul says that there are, are bad models and he gives indicators of what those bad models are. He says these three things. He says, their God is their belly, they glory in their shame, and with minds they are set on earthly things. Here's what that means. When he says their God is their belly, he said, it's, it's essentially he's saying that they are worshiping themselves. Their God is their desires the, their belly or the Greek word used for the belly is like the, the lower part of the body, very closely linked to the heart. It's the desires, the wants, that kind of visceral animal uh, um, desires in life. He's saying their God is their belly. They worship themselves. They worship what they want. They worship what they desire. It is all about me. It is all about what I want. It is all about what I want to do. They put their needs above the needs of everybody else. Watch out. Don't imitate those people. The second one, he says, they glory in their shame. They take pride in the things that God has called shameful. Now, I think of this when someone tells me, you know, I told that lady off that disrespected me. And they say that with a smile, right? How many, how many of us here, you can raise your hand if you're brave enough, have told somebody a story with joy as you've told somebody off, you know, like, hey, this person did this to me. I want to tell you what I did. And it's like, how gangster am I? You know, <laughs> uh, how, how, like, you know, how much street cred do I get for this? Why? Because I want you to know, this is what you're saying. I want you to know, don't tread on me, right? Don't try to walk all over me. Nobody is allowed to do that, right? Nobody. And I come at you with this because I want you to know that if you try to do this or if anybody tries to do this, I want I want that fame from you. I want that glory from you. But in scripture, right, in the kingdom of God, what does God say? This is shameful behavior. 
And so there are things that we do in the world that we take pride in, like telling somebody off, right? Or, or when someone cuts you off when you're driving, you go around and you do things to get them mad, right? That's a story to tell at the dinner table, like, yo, guess what I did today? But Paul says when we imitate those people we, that take pride in the things that God has called shameful, we will be led to destruction. Look at the people that you are imitating. What do they take pride in? What are the things that they brag about? What are the things that make them happy in their life? Is it things that God has called shameful in scripture? Do you want to be imitating that? The third thing he says, with mindset on earthly things, they are consumed with earthly things, right? Look at the 100 pairs of kicks that I got in my closet. I remember walking into one of my friend's houses and it was, I'll never forget this, literally from floor to ceiling, his walls were lined with Jordans. And I was just so blown away. But and I, I, I literally, I was thinking, this is disgusting. <laughs> this is so disgusting right now. I cannot believe um, um, what I am seeing. But he was so excited about his collection. This was his pride and joy. This was the. This was literally like a new pair of sneakers brought him life. Like when he was when he was sad, he got a new he got new kicks. That's what he did. Right, Because his mind was set on earthly things. The things of the earth were the things that brought him joy, the things that brought him pride, the things that he loved so much. I know this chat is going crazy and I am dying right now. <laughs> I cannot wait to read it later. Right? I, I, and I, I, I think about the things one, one uh, writer uh, said that if you look at your Instagram, it is the shrines that we have created. What is the shrine that you have created in your life? You know, what are the things that you show the most stories of, the things that you post most about your life? Is your, is your mind set on things that are earthly or is it things that in the kingdom of God, God elevates, right? Look at the people that you are imitating. Do they set their minds on earthly things? Do, are they, do they get joy by materialistic things, by different food, by things that we can acquire, by money? That is a red flag. Do not imitate those people. If you look at someone's life and you do not see a representation of what scripture says and calls us to live like, do not model them. Stop thinking that, man, I can't, I want to be like this person, right? If it's so easy to walk into somebody's house that seems like they have it all, big house, lots of cars, all of these things. And think, man, I want to be like that person. But then you see how that, that person may treat their spouse or treat their kids or how they use their money on all these crazy things and they live for themselves. No, that's not what you want. Because the very things that you want at that moment, the very person that you want to model yourself after is a life that will lead you to destruction. Is a life that will lead you away from the presence of God into eternity separated from Him. So Check yourself. Is that really who you want to model? Is that really who you want to imitate? And if you think, man, if, if you can look at your own life, not only about the people you model, but then ask yourself, can people model them, themselves after me? I think that is a good question to ask. Because if you look at your own life and that speaks to you, then you, then you have to start finding somebody to model 
yourself after. You have to look at people who lives a godly life, who lives a scripture life, who are people that I can begin to imitate and model in my life that when they give godly wisdom, I can say, you know, I'm going to do that instead of what I thought what I wanted to do. I don't care how long you have been a Christian. I don't care if it's been one day, one year, 30 years, 40 years, put your pride aside. And begin to ask yourself, who can you model your life after that will point you closer to Jesus, that you've seen the fruit of their life, and it is good. If, if you look at your own life and you see, man, I fall short in so many of these areas, then that is a good opportunity for you to be honest with yourself and say, it is time for me to find somebody that I can imitate that will help me in this, that will help grow me and, and model what it looks like to put Jesus and his kingdom first in everything that I do. But, don't, but remember, this is not about being perfect. This is not about being the perfect person. This is about attaining the resurrection from the dead that Paul says, no matter what it takes, I am striving for that prize. This is not about perfection on earth. This is about running the race with perseverance, with grace, and with the righteousness of God. See, it all comes down to representation. This is what Paul is getting at. Who do you represent? Who do you represent? There are models in our life that are constantly giving us models to live our life by. Here is a blueprint. Here is the architectural plans. You can, you, can, you can be that dude on the street corner, make a lot of money, get a lot of street rep, but your life will end in destruction. You can be that dude that is the head of the, the, the hedge fund. You can be that, that, that writer, that, that, that perfect woman, that perfect man. You can be them, but where is their life? headed? Who do you represent? There are so many blueprints. You stay on Facebook for five minutes, you'll get an ad with an ebook of how to do this and how to live your life like this and how to make money like me and do this like me. Do, what do you represent? Do you represent your culture? Do you represent your nation? Do you represent yourself? Do you represent your family? Do you represent your company? See, the Philippians were Roman citizens. They were a Roman colony. They represented Rome. They were Rome's representatives in the area. They knew that as citizens, they were representation of Rome and all that Rome stood for. So Paul is calling them out. You are first and foremost citizens of heaven before you are citizens of Rome. This is not a future fantasy and some future citizenship that we'll hold a card of in the future. This is a now thing. When you accept Jesus, you enter into his kingdom and you become a citizen of heaven who is living on earth and a representation of Jesus, the king and his kingdom, wherever you go. And so then the question comes, are you representing Christ and his kingdom on earth as his citizen or are you representing someone else? Because if you are representing Christ and his kingdom as his citizen, Paul's saying, live like it. Be about it. That is your first and foremost representation before anything else in your life. When you rep anything else's priority, you have already set your mind on earthly things. It has already been done. When you rep your culture, your nation, organization, company, yourself, people, when you represent any other value system as a priority and its worldviews, you are 
putting that above your citizenship. And Paul is saying you are citizens of heaven first and foremost. Your heavenly citizenship should adjust your worldview, how you look through the world, through the lens of God, through the lens of scripture. Your heavenly citizenship should change your value system personally, what you think is success, what you think is good and what is bad, what is blessing and cursing. The wisdom of God now defines how you walk in life, not the wisdom of the world. You will be pressured in this world to be of something uh, other than Jesus constantly. Are you a Republican or are you a Democrat? In a debate, you will be forced to choose a side. Are you Republican or are you a Democrat? But who do you represent? Do you represent Republicans? Do you represent Democrats? Or do you represent the kingdom of God? What is the primary thing in your life that you identify as that no matter what the issues are, no matter what the people say, no matter what anybody says, that you first go to scripture and say, well, what does God say? What does the kingdom of heaven say on this issue? I don't care what the platform says. I don't care what the website says. I don't care about what the stump speech says. I don't care if you like that person. The first and foremost thing that you ask is what does God say? What does scripture say about this? Before I ask myself, what does this platform say? You will be pressured to be an American, an Italian, a Puerto Rican, Chinese. Where does your primary loyalty lie? Is it in heaven or is it in your New Yorican roots? Where does it lie? What, what, what is the thing that you are most proud of in your life? It will come out. And, and what you talk to people about and what you say to people, how you describe yourself to people. There's nothing wrong with voting Republican or Democrat, with celebrating Chinese or Latin culture and holidays. There's nothing wrong with these things. It becomes wrong when we take it and we put it in place of our citizenship with Jesus. When we say, first, I am this, then I am this. When we look at the value systems, when we look at the worldview of these other things, and we go to those things to answer our questions about life, about where we are moving forward, about what we are looking forward to before we go to Jesus and say, what am I aiming for? What am I looking for? What am I striving after? And when we allow these other things to become our citizenship, we are saying, I am asking what you value first. I am asking what you are saying first. I'm asking, what should I prioritize instead of first asking Jesus? And Jesus is saying, Paul is saying here that that life will lead you to destruction. Imitate, model people who will point you to Jesus as Paul is doing all throughout Philippians 3, to know him, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, to abandon all, to call everything else worthless as long as I can obtain him. Not that I've done it, but this is the thing that I'm striving for, aiming towards the race that I am running, that by any means necessary, that I will get it. When we choose other worldviews, when we choose other, other, other citizenships that compete with Christ, we are flashing where our true citizenship lies, heaven or earth. Paul makes this firm statement after calling them to correct citizenship. He says this, he says, And from heaven we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. 
Paul says, put up with whatever is going to come your way because Jesus is coming. And just like he was exalted in his new body in the resurrection, you and me are going to be exalted in our new bodies with him. So whatever comes, no matter what happens, don't matter. Jesus is coming and that same power that resurrected him is going to be that same power that give us our resurrected bodies to be exalted and glorified with him. And that is the only end that we should ever keep our eyes on, that we should ever put our hope in, because that end is the only end that will not lead us to destruction. In the end, Jesus will rule this earth. This is not a statement of opinion that Paul is making. This is a statement of fact that he is saying that every knee should bow on earth and on heaven. Everyone, one at a time, will come in line. And the last one will be death. And when death bows its knee, then everything under heaven and earth will come and worship the name of Jesus. And when that happens, there will be no more sorrow. There will be no more tears. There will be no more depression. There will be no more sickness. And that is the hope that we put our life in. That is the end that we want to model ourselves after. That is the architectural plan that we want to follow that keeps our eyes on that, that we can look and say, that is my hope. That is what I strive for. That is what I run to. That is what I want to obtain more than anything else. I see that and only that. Thank you, Jesus, that your power is sufficient, not only to conquer death and all sin, but it is sufficient to raise me with you in exaltation and in glory. Whose citizenship, Paul says, would you rather have then? Would you rather have the citizenship of the world, of the nation, of the earth, of your friend, of your culture? Whose citizenship would you rather have primary seat in? Ones that will pass away or ones that will end up in eternal glory with Jesus Christ in your resurrected body, worshiping him and in his presence for eternity? Paul ends it with this. He says, therefore, stand firm in the Lord. Therefore, stand firm in the Lord. Therefore, stand firm in the Lord. There will be so many things that will come and compete for your attention. There will be so many things that will come to derail you. There will be so many things that will come to tempt you, to distract you, that will say, look, this is better. This is nice. This will gratify you right now. Click add to bag. It will make you feel good. Click complete. It will make you feel good. There are so many things that will compete for your time, for your attention, for your values, for your worldview, for your citizenship. And Paul is saying they're not worth it. Because when you put your hope in everything but Jesus, you are putting your hope in a lesser power a power that will not win, a power that at the end of the day will have to bow its knee in Jesus, whether in judgment and destruction or in resurrection and in power. Which model do you want to imitate? Where do you want to be a citizen of? A citizen of heaven or a citizen of an earthly thing that will pass away? Paul says this, stand firm, and the Lord, knowing the outcome, knowing what we hope in, knowing who Jesus is and what will happen. Do not let your footing come loose, but build your foundation on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. And when you do that, 
the firmness of your footing, the firmness of your house will be able to stand and withstand anything that comes, a pandemic, a sickness, a loss, suffering, joy, whatever it is, that promotion that will tempt you, anything that will come, the loss of job, the getting of a new one, whatever it is, stand firm in Jesus because he is your only savior and we await for him to come from heaven where our citizenship is. Pray with me. Father, we thank you. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you. that you have called us into your kingdom and you have given us our citizenship, the only citizenship that we need. Lord, we may be rejected by the world as citizens. We may be rejected as others, as friends. We may be rejected by culture or people or companies because of the value systems that we put above those things and those people, what you call us to model after. But God, we thank you that we know the end, that the things that reject us because of you are things that will ultimately fall to destruction. And so it's okay. It's all okay because we will stand firm in you, knowing that every knee should bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And the only hope that we have is the hope for the future of our Savior. And we thank you for that today. And I pray that you help us Walk in that. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.